morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike Burning Bushwick Bill, I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Or these are getting creative. Well, yeah, uh, what, uh, but, uh, but what's his name? Alex Boyer. Alex Boyer is like dropping great ones in the Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor Colin moment. So I have to step up my spike nickname game. You definitely do. You, he took it to Alex, took it to a different level. He, burning Bushwick Bill. Burning Bushwick Bill. That is. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I hope you're having a great night. If you haven't already, be sure to follow uh, wherever you're seeing this on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Instagram, or Twitter, wherever you're seeing this, be sure to follow it. Uh, and especially our YouTube. Go to our YouTube and subscribe and hit that bell so you don't miss a single episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom or My Fellow Americans or any of our delicious muddied content. Give the gift of Muddy Waters today. Kids love it. Kids love it. First and foremost, allow it. me to thank Casey Nether Campbell for the kava that I am drinking on today's episode. And allow me to thank, I don't have any, allow me to thank Walmart, apparently, for this water that I have. What happened? I don't know what happened there. Allow me to thank, I, there we are. Oops. Allow me to thank Walmart. I'll be back yep. shortly, folks. Yep. <laughs> allow me to thank Walmart. But there we go. Allow me to thank Walmart for this delicious purified drinking water with flavor enhancing minerals such as hydrogen calcium chloride <laughs> hydrogen and oxygen and, and sodium bicarbonate at a distributed two, by Walmart in Bentonville Arkansas at a 2 to 1 ratio um 2 to 1 ratio 2 to 1 ratio this episode is also brought to you by Black Organic coffee. Uh, that is black organic coffee from BLVCK. Cause why the hell not? Brews, why the hell not? Why the hell not? BLVCKbrews.com. Use checkout code MW for free shipping. Um, this episode is also brought to you by the Jorgensen Cohen campaign, which Spike is currently out on somewhere. I think he's in Indiana. Not a hundred percent sure. We are also. I am in. Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, you're actually. in Des Moines, Iowa. Des, Des Moines, Moines, Iowa. I'm on a bus. You are on a bus. I'm on a bus. Do you want to see the bus? Do you I'm want to try to do the bus thing? Sure. Yeah. Let me do yeah, the, we'll uh, do the let bus. Me, let me do the rest of the uh, people that we're thanking here. Uh, we also have okay. the Libertarian Party yes. Dad Bod calendar featuring some Look of the that. not so sexiest Libertarian men in the party. Uh, this Look one that, is April. Which means if you buy the calendar now, you're going back a couple of months. Uh, $15? $15? Four months. $12 shipped. 12. And if you want it signed by me, that'll be $30 shipped. $12 shipped. And if you want it signed by him, you've heard what he said. It is also brought to you by the Libertarian Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing caucus. Sure. In the party. <laughs> Why not? It is. We'll, it we'll, really we'll go is. with that. We will go. Name a faster growing caucus. I, you know, and don't say Mises. Oh, and as always, this episode is brought to you. This episode in particular is brought to you by Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, Chris Reynolds, law, at- Chris Reynolds, law.com. Because this episode 
is nothing. But this episode is actually also brought to you by you because you are the ones who did all of our show prep this week. And I thank you. I appreciate it. And if you want to you are the power. Made this show possible. You did. Um, And if you want to get your hands on delicious muddied gear, like the shirt that I am wearing, the three-quarter length raglan shirt, Liberty All-Star, nobody tell Converse because I don't want to get sued, Uh, head on, hit the link that's in the uh, description down there, and you can pick up your own shirt. Muddied Merc. Muddied Merch. Merch. And also muddied the muddied merch. So much Spike Cohen stuff. So much Spike Cohen stuff up there now. Um, Do you want a picture of my head and body with my name on it? There's only one place you can get that, folks. That's right. And that's the muddied merch. (laughs) The muddied merch. The muddied merch mart. The muddied merch. Folks. So, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm on a bus. I'm on a bus. I'm on a bus. I'm on a bus. Take one look at my gosh darn bus. This is, I'm turning around. Oh, no, no, turning around. This is my, my suite here. I have a suite. I don't just have a bus. I have a bus suite. And, uh, and so this is the suite here. I have. Not one, but two TVs, okay? And I've got, this is me, in the, in the bus. Uh, I've got this whole thing here. I got this whole setup. And the and on the bus, do you want, should I do like a, a 10, a, like a 40-second bus tour? Yeah, do it, do it, do a 40-second bus tour. Show everybody what the, uh, what the bus I'm gonna is. I'm going to do a, I'm doing a 40-second bus tour. Let me put on my bus shoes. I'm going to put my bus shoes on here. Cause we just finished at Evelyn Davis park. That's where we are currently doing our thing. Hopefully the bus crew here is not naked. I hope, I hope no one's naked. I'm coming out. No one be naked. This is our, uh, this is our area here, our little uh, storage area. This is the main area here. You're all on a very popular television show, everybody. Hey, Muddy, Muddy Waters. And so this is the crew here and uh, this is, uh, they're having dinner. Well, I'm slaving away on a hot cell phone. And uh, this is the cockpit area here, which looks freaking awesome. And uh, and then this is the actual outside of the bus here. We're actually here at beautiful Evelyn Davis Park. And, uh, and this is the bus here. This is what I am traveling the country on right here. The Jorgensen Cohen Mobile, the Joko Mobile. And, uh, and that's what we're doing. And it's got two sides. It's on another side, too. Like, we're literally here at a park. Because I just had an event here at the park. And uh, this is the other side. This kind of reminds me of the Predator thing where the head comes out. (laughs) (laughs) So I might might do a Photoshop thing where I have, like, Sigourney Weaver's head next to that freaking out. But this is the the Joko Mobile here. 45 foot. I don't know what brand of bus this is, but it is... uh, it has been an absolutely fantastic tour so far. We have been to Cincinnati and then Flint, Michigan. And then we've also, where else have we been? We've been to Cincinnati, Flint, Michigan. We've been to beautiful downtown 
Oh gosh, what was after that? Uh, you went to Indiana. Highland, Indiana. Highland, we Indiana. went to Highland, Indiana. And then we went to, uh, and then we went to, uh, finally, uh, so far we have been to beautiful, where are we now? Yeah, Evelyn Davis Park in Des Moines, Iowa. It's always great to travel so many places that you often don't even know where you are. Um, so it's been really fun and we have been traveling around speaking a hundred people at a time sometimes, uh, with, uh, spreading the message about the campaign, letting people know about it today at Evelyn Davis park. A lot of people came out that just live in a, in the surrounding community, uh, by the, uh, by where the park is. Cause they just wanted to see what was going on. Did, stuck around and answered a bunch of questions for folks so you could find out more, not just about Joe and myself and our campaign, but about libertarian ideas and what libertarians believe and, what we are trying to accomplish. And as always, I heard a bunch of folks who were not happy with the options they had. They weren't happy with Joe Biden and certainly weren't happy with Kamala Harris. And they sure as hell weren't happy with Donald Trump. And so to know that there was another viable option out there made them really happy. And I'm wearing a suit. You are wearing a suit. Like this is the nicest anybody has ever been dressed on this show. Unless you count the so, times that like we, we did like the state of the union in we live stream the state of the union and Donald Trump's in a suit and everybody else is there is in a suit. Other than that, this is the nicest anybody has ever been dressed and on I, our show. And I'm way better dressed than Donald Trump was. Let's be well, clear. Yeah. That your tie probably goes to an appropriate length. Yes, it does. It goes to the perfect length that actually I'll show you. <laughs> it goes right to, so your tie length here, let me unbutton my jacket here. You're going to have a little intimate moment with me here. Mm. Uh, the tie length, this is important, folks. Tie length is supposed to go to the middle to bottom of the belt, but I don't know what happened here. This is all falling apart. Is this, is this supposed to go to the middle or the bottom? I thought it was supposed to go to the top. Mid, middle or the bottom of the buckle, of your belt buckle. And yet, yeah. here, and here I am, like literally right at, right at. the middle. Look at you. The middle of the belt buckle. Look Boom. I did it myself. This is a double Windsor. Well, this that's, isn't, this is in all fairness, double. The, the double Windsor is the only way to tie a tie. Thank you. In my Thank personal, you. in my personal opinion, as somebody who yes. has to wear ties rarely. There's only one way to do there's it. There's only one way to do it. There's only way to do it. I have business cards now, by the way. Do you? Well, I am, gl- Cohen. I am glad that I did not spend muddied waters money on business cards for you. Um, because that was going to be my next purchase. Uh, Don't do that because I have this. I have the social, follow my social media. And no, you can't even see that. But no, Not even a little bit. <laughs> you can't. But if you want a card, then, I don't know, ask. Ask me for it. I mean, you really don't. I mean, if you're <laughs> online, you don't really need a, a card. It's kind of weird. But you can follow me on these various social media platforms there you go that the closer it gets the worse it actually is yes so that doesn't help um what else do i want to show off look at my shoes <laughs> fancy shoes these are hold on I'm, it's like show and tell uh so look look at this these are these are the gators the brown gators those are yeah those are those are actually nice i like those I'm usually not like a buckle guy. Thank you. Look and at my like I go strictly Doc Martens 
I, ha- I have a Doc Martin collection, and I have one for every event. Well, that's good. Yes. That's good. So now that I've shown off all my – I feel like a kid where I'm like, look at what I can do. Look what I got. Um, look how fast I, I can run. Now that I've shown – look what I got. I have, I have things. I'm on a bus. Uh, so now that I've done that, now we get to do – a very special episode very, of Muddy Waters. Very special episode of Muddied Waters. On the anniversary of a different very special episode. Um, um, Superfan Sarah Andreg actually just walked in, and she is looking very wonderful in her brand new Muddied Waters media crop top. Well, which, let's see it. Which based on the look she's giving me, isn't going to happen. Um, but... Okay, listen. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Well, let me guess. She's like, oh, my hair isn't done or something like that? No, not even a little bit. She just kind of gave me a look of, uh-uh. Like, no, so she she looks gorgeous. She Her hair okay, is done. Okay, her makeup's so done. Tell her it's Shabbat and that we need to see the her uh, her the merch. It's Shabbat. <laughs> he did. He pulled the Jew card. I did. Please. Yes. So here, here is super fan Sarah Andereg, my lovely and beautiful. Oh, that looks amazing. Right? Doesn't it? That's awesome. Right? She. Holy she, crap, that came out well. Yeah, she also bought. I mean, and you look fine. You look fine, too. Right. So. No, she, but she this looks is, amazing, right? Yeah, no, this is great. None. This is an ensemble. <laughs> she also bought the. Um, she also bought the hoodie. hoodie. Yeah, she got the zip up. Yeah, I hoodie. saw. I saw the hoodie picture earlier. Yeah, yeah. she got the zip up hoodie, but she did not. Thank you. Um, thank you, Sarah. That's super fan Sarah Andereg. Everyone, super fan Sarah Andereg. Um, if you want the status of super fan, you can apply with. It's Tom none of it's Arnold. not. It's not it's not possible. You can apply with Matt already has a super fan, <laughs> as do I. And you have to apply and, with Tom, uh, you have to apply with Tom Arnold. You have to apply with Tom Arnold. Yeah, you gotta apply with Tom Arnold. You gotta apply with Tom Arnold. So, so on this on this special episode. On this auspicious occasion, we have the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law spectacular anchor call in moment, in which you our viewers have done all of our work for us this weekend. Thank you. Love it. I appreciate it greatly. Um, so we've got calls going back almost two weeks at this point. Um, so let's just get it kicked off with a call from Mr. Jorge Mendoza. Okay. How does libertarianism respond to the fact that Americans are losing their jobs due to jobs becoming automated? Thank you. I can't hear that. You can't hear that. I heard something, hmm. but I have no idea what it was saying. Uh, he said, how do libertarians respond to jobs? Interesting. Um, why did that not go to you? Um, why, how do we respond to jobs? Uh, job loss from automation is the short. Oh, that's an excellent question. One of the problems with job losses from automation is that uh, people haven't been able to own their own businesses. They 
have had to trade their labor for wages and they haven't been able to engage in ownership. And some of that is because of regulations that don't allow businesses to come up with more uh, uh, creative models for compensation. So if I said to you, you know, I'll pay you X amount, uh, but then I'll also give you X amount of ownership in the company over time, unless I'm, uh, you know, uh, paying uh, minimum wages and things like that, then that's not a way that I can be able to uh, be able to pay you. In addition to that, uh, because of regulations that, you know, say that when you start having people own, own parts of the company, you have to have shareholder meetings and you have to report those meetings and you have to file certain things with the IRS. Because I can't simply have that arrangement voluntarily without way more compliance costs as a result of it, I just pay you for the work that you do. And if at some point uh, it becomes increasingly unaffordable to hire you thanks to other regulations and taxes and mandates and so forth, I end up just automating. And because you have no equity in my company and you weren't in a position to be able to make your own company because of more regulations and burdens and taxes and mandates and, uh, and, and barriers uh, that make it harder for you to be able to work, now you just don't have a job anymore. So I think the libertarian answer to this is to uh, allow for the, have the government get out of the world of business and labor so that more um, dynamic and more innovative ways of coming up with compensation, including shared ownership of companies, can be allowed. Get rid of the tax structures that make worker-owned businesses uh, hard to compete because of those very same uh, uh, restrictions on, 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 you know, required compliance requirements, uh, that make it so difficult for worker owned co-ops to be able to exist in the first place. Um, so that's one way to do it. Uh, one, one way of dealing with it. The other thing is that, you know, we have been told for quite some time that automation would make all jobs go away and it just never actually happens. Uh, it causes more jobs to be created, new jobs. Uh, we were told that when, uh, automation came to, for example, the world of switchboard operators. So most of you don't realize this, but back in the day, uh, when you wanted to call someone, you had to, you'd pick up the phone and it would ring through to an operator and you would tell the operator who you were calling and they would transfer you to that number. They would actually put you on the switchboard and transfer you to that call. That's where the, the, the call system actually came from initially. Uh, and you would basically give them the number. Um, Now it's you dial numbers and press send, but same thing. You're dialing numbers and it's automatically switching it. Uh, there were warnings that it was going to destroy uh, you know, the labor market because of all these job losses, but that's not what happened. There's, there were more jobs now than there were then by, by far. And in addition, um, the, because that cost of labor in just making a phone call has been removed, now instead of uh, phone calls and telephone service being something that the small upper crust of society can afford, now we can all afford it. Now it's become a much more affordable thing. It's actually become more affordable over time. Uh, so automation is a good thing, uh, and it does typically bring innovations that allow for us to uh, do more for less and to uh, have new jobs created as a result of that. But in addition, getting rid of those regulations and burdens and barriers uh, that allow uh, that, that make it so hard for us to be able to come up 
with innovative ways of compensation and innovative ways of operating businesses so that now if we automate, we all own an equity stake in it. We're all benefiting from that. Uh, removing those barriers that make it so that we can't do that uh, will grow a great way to deal with that as well. Right. I, and I was going to say uh, the, the lamplighters from the turn of the 20th century, you know, the guys that would go around and light the lamps at night. And yep. the elect the you know the light bulb was invented. Electricity became more prevalent in major cities, and people were like, "Who these people have jobs? What are they going to do?" Yep. More more innovation was made. Those people found jobs. It's it, it's just the natural cycle, and this is just a different cycle of that. Yep. Uh, yep very much so. Right. Have Have you figured out the thing that will make it so I can hear now? Um. Well. We're gonna we're gonna test out a couple of things on this next question because that okay. you normally can hear like if I were to play a song for less than a second and a half, could you not? Could did you not hear that at all? That is not good because when I tested <laughs> when I tested this with Adam, it worked just fine. Um, oh no. That should be fine. Large business, businesses in the forms of regulations that make it nearly impossible for smaller competitors to rise up and compete. Um, a monopoly is a function of government. A monopoly is a function of government uh, creating barriers and burdens and taxes. And I know this is my answer for everything. So, you know, common theme here. Incredibly well-heeled, politically favored, uh, and politically connected billionaire cronies uh, create barriers and burdens through their politicians and bureaucrats that they sponsor and and bought and paid to be in office and in their positions uh, in the regulatory agencies. And they create regulations that make it harder for the rest of us to try to be able to succeed and to compete, to thrive and to innovate because they don't want anyone to threaten their market share. And so everything we see with these mega companies that are consolidating more and more that doesn't exist in a free market in a free market you can only rise to a certain level and it's eventually going to become unsustainable and you're going to have all these smaller you know companies nipping at your heels and taking from your market share and without a governing entity in place uh to basically uh you know force people to do business with you and and force others out of business by you know requiring all of these ridiculous compliance costs for them to be able to even get in the market in the first place uh they wouldn't be able to have that monopolization or that that dominance of the market in the first place so the uh the the, the answer is that it is the uh the libertarian free market principles that are the check it is the market that is the check against monopolization and it is government involvement uh that is the uh, protection for those monopolies. We get rid of that government involvement and the protection goes away too. Okay. So, uh, to make sure that you hear the rest of these, I have to do something really quickly, which means everybody's going to see my browser and fingers crossed, (laughs) fingers crossed here that, uh, nothing terrible is going to come up. Okay, cool. Yay. (laughs) We're on restream there. That's perfect. That's fine. What were we thinking was going to come up instead? There is no telling. I have weird thoughts and I start Googling. Oh. So, you know, I just kind of, I just kind of have to go with it. 
Where would that be? Well, that's yeah. Okay, um, so I'm just gonna have to play those from over here. That's weird because it worked the last time we did this. Mm. All right, here is a question from Mr. Alex Boyer. Let me know if you can hear this. Hello, hello to Matt Wright and Spike OJ. You can't hear that, can you? No. Oh, that's a shame because he has a good nickname for you. Why can't you hear that? It's coming through the same thing that you are. All right. Hang on. We're going to get this fixed really quickly. I heard something kind of. I figured it out. That. All right. What about hello hello to yes. matt wright and spike oj the jew man cohen this is alex from virginia calling in on the chris reynolds personal injury attorney attorney at law inker Cohen line i think i got it right this time and i would just want to know what you guys think about all this controversy with the post office and what would a libertarian solution be to this controversy, taking into consideration that Congress has the power to establish post offices in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, the post office is absolutely a constitutionally uh, authorized uh, agency. The question is, uh, should the government be doing that? Just because the Constitution says that the government has the power to do something doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best way to do it. Um, Here's what I will say. The U.S. Postal Service is largely funded by its own uh, by its own revenue, and it has restrictions put on it by Congress in how it can operate. Uh, I think that the best thing that could be done is for Congress to allow the people who operate the U.S. Postal Service to figure out how best to operate the U.S. Postal Service without having Congress involved in it. Also, there's no reason that there should be, we were just talking about monopolies, there's no reason that there should be a monopoly on letter delivery services. Why? Why is your mailbox that is in front of your home or in a cluster box in your condo or apartment or wherever your mailbox is. Why is that federal property? Where did I go? There I am. Why is that federal property? There's no reason that that should be federal property. That should be your property because it's your mailbox. And why wouldn't we just allow you to decide who you want to use to send letters to the people you want to send letters to? This is the perfect example of a manufactured crisis. The idea that if government doesn't step in, then our ability to send letters to each other will crumble to the very ground beneath us. Just let people send letters with whomever they wish. And the infrastructure is already there. Let UPS do it. Let uh, DHL do it. Let FedEx do it. Let freaking whoever else wanted like Amazon do it. Whoever wants to send letters to people, let them do it. Let's just step back for a moment. We are being told there is a letter mail crisis. 
a crisis a cri- it, of who can send letters in the mail. Right. And the answer to that crisis every time for politicians in D.C., uh, I believe today they passed a bill in the House. They passed a bill in the House for $25 billion funding for the post office. This is an organization that is billions of dollars in debt every year, yep. every year. Many of yep. us have already turned pretty much everything over to UPS, FedEx, DHL, Amazon um, to do all of that work for us. I very rarely will go to the post office. I try not to because it's a headache. It's not efficient. And you could get away without funding the post office, letting them live and have to live off of the money that they raise from the selling of stamps, the uh, shipping of packages, and mm-hmm. not fund it more. The only reason and remove and remove the congressional restrictions on the company. Let UPS, USPS operate however they want to. Right. Whatever business model they think is going to work, let them do it, and then let UPS and DHL and FedEx and whoever else wants to come up deliver met- letters and packages too. Yes. Absolutely. And then there's not a crisis. Imagine if the government was in charge of you getting food. We'd be in a constant food crisis. There's a food. Our food. Where is our food? We need another five hundred bazillion dollars, or we're not going to have any food. Or we're not going to have any food. And we'll have no food because the United States Food Service is crumbling. Just let people provide it. It's your mailbox. You literally bought the mailbox. Why is that <laughs> federal property? You get to go out. You get to pick out your mailbox. You go to Home Depot, Lowe's, local place, I don't know, and you get your mailbox and you're like, this looks, this will look great in my front yard. You put it there and then if you take it, you have now committed a crime. Yeah. If your neighbor says, oh, I'm just going to leave this in their mailbox, they've just committed a federal felony. Yep. Now, is it going to be enforced? Not really. No. But, but the bottom line is it's a federal felony. And do you know why it's a federal felony? Not so that your neighbor can't you know, put something in your mailbox. It's so that your neighbor or someone else can't start a business where they send letters. That's the whole purpose of it. Oh, so charge your mail. No, it's not. Saying that it's my personal property and that no one can trespass on it would protect my mail. What protects my what, – what, what that does, what the federal – federal property does they don't say that your shoes are federal property oh, it's to protect your shoes no the reason that they say that the federal mail that the mailbox is federal property is because then they get to control who puts stuff in it yep so the way around this is you deregulate letters that's just and- land of the free home of the brave unless you want to start a letter delivery company and the main reason for the main reason that all of this is happening is because of voting. It's because of mail in yes, voting. Yes, because of mail in voting, yeah. It is a hundred percent because of mail in voting. And yep. I don't I I don't really care about mail in voting. So I'm like I I understand the argument on the right and I understand the argument on the left. I get both sides. I don't care. I don't care. There's no reason that the government has to handle the mail-in voting. No, you get your ballot from the state, you fill it out, and have whoever send it to whoever. Agreed. Agreed on – we're in agreement there. There's no reason that yeah, the yeah. USPS needs to do it. 
but the mail-in voting right. thing, just as a whole, I don't have an opinion on it. I kind, I, I, I see both arguments. I a hundred percent see both arguments for this. So I am of the mind of I don't care. Right, right. I will tell you why I am in favor of mail-in voting. So mail-in voting gives someone an opportunity to have a ballot and spend their time researching candidates and seeing who it is they want to vote for, if they choose. Or they can just fill it out and send it in. When you're in a voting booth and you have a, you know, you got a line of people behind you and there's this sort of urgency of like, get it done and get out of there, and you're standing up, and so you're standing there in the voting booth and you're looking at your options and you've got however many people that are running for president, Senate, Congress and everything else. And you're looking at it and you go, well, who's this? <laughs> well, this person might be great. I have no idea. I have no Here's idea. who I've heard of. There are so many people that vote for the first option that comes up. Yeah. Uh, we had a situation in South Carolina where a guy named Alvin Green run, won the Democratic primary because his name started with a A. That was the guy. He won, and then they like came to his house, and they were like, aren't you Alvin Green? He was like, no. No, I'm not. Yeah, he said he wasn't. Because <laughs> he was he like, I, I, I didn't think I was going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they were like, sir, we under, we've been told that you're Alvin Green. He's like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I mean, that... That's and but that's who the Democrats ended up uh, uh, nominating that year because right. his name started with A. Right. So, whereas with a mail-in ballot, you get all your choices and you can go. Well, I know Donald Trump. Maybe I want to find out a little bit more about him. I know Joe Biden. Maybe I want to find out more about him. Joe Jorgensen. What's that about? Uh, uh, Howie Hawkins. If, if, if he's on the ballot, what's that about? Kanye West. What the hell is that? Like you can <laughs> you can do you can look at these things. And you can decide what you want to do. You actually have some time to make a decision. And for that matter, why is this a whole other subject? Why is election day a day? Like, is this what we're doing? Why is there a single day that we have to do this? So why do you think voters are overwhelmingly retired? Because who else can just show up on a single Tuesday to vote? So the reason that it is only a day, the re- I, I, I actually know the answer to why, it, and I know why it's on a Tuesday. Okay. Um, and I know that because of this gentleman right here, Mr. Chris Reynolds, personal injury personal attorney, injury attorney, Chris, Chris Reynolds, Reynolds attorney, attorney at law, law uh, because he and I have talked about this at ad nauseum to use one of his phrases. Oh. Um, because he's really interested in it. Cause he's like, why do we still do this on a, on the first Tuesday? Um, and it is because it used to be, you didn't go to your local polling place and vote. You had representatives from your area go and represent the area as delegates. Um, okay. So because of uh, Saturday, Sunday church services, depending on, you know, uh, it usually took a day to travel anywhere. And we've just never changed it. So, so in other words, it's for a completely obsolete, obsolete reason, reason that, I mean, there's no reason obsolete. to keep doing it that way. Right. You could make election. Weak. That's what I assume. So um, imagine if we had, yeah, well, imagine if we had election week that right. ended on a Monday and ended on a Sunday or something Mon- like that. M- Monday to and Friday. You just- could vote whenever you wanted to, uh, or even Monday to Friday. Yeah. I would say include the weekends as well. Cause you've so many people that work 
you know, they work Monday to Friday, no, it would be true. so much easier for them to be able to do it on the weekend. And what that does, especially in this situation with the pandemic, that makes it where we're not all crowded together on a single day. There's no reason to do this. Like, I mean, it, there apparently there was back when we didn't even have direct voting and, uh, you know, 99% of the country went to church. Like, this, you know, and it took a day to travel to the to the voting area. Like, I mean, there's no reason to keep doing it this way. It makes right. no sense. And it it doesn't benefit the people who are the most acutely affected by 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 the excesses and abuses, the working poor, younger people, communities of color. These are the groups that are the least likely to be able to just be like, oh, it's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just go there right now. I have nothing else to do today. That overwhelmingly benefits people that are already retired. And wonder of wonders, all of our policies seem to kind of disproportionately uh, uh, be catered to the groups that most likely vote and show up to vote. So let's make it something that benefits everyone. Let's make it someone that something that anyone can 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 show up to vote and have more opportunity to and let's make it where they can mail the thing in let's make it where anyone can mail it in and they can hire any company they want because all of that sounds like freedom all of that sounds like us having more choices instead of having government tell us no you're going to do it this way right so that's our answer to the post office and remember uh whether you mail it in um whether you mail it in or you uh go to the voting booth Make sure you mm-hmm. click this name. Click these names. Yes. Click or fill in the bubble or however you vote. I'm not really hang sure. Hang that chat. Yeah, hang that chat. I'm in Florida. Hang that chat for Jorgensen Cohen. Hang that chat. Um, hang the Jorgensen Cohen. Pop that old chat. Don't let it hang. Uh, we have another question here from Eric Saul. I think this might be a repeat. I'm not 100% sure, but we're going to find out together. Hi, guys. My name's Eric Saul. Okay. Okay. I'm calling to ask about what types of checks are in place in libertarianism to prevent monopolies yes. from forming. Okay. All right. Thanks. That's I answered that already. You Thank, yeah, you. Same, Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Question. Thank you for that question. Uh, here we have on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment, a question from Miss Selena Stewart. Starting on Friday, there were three different – Um, social media posts made by people who were victimized by Kamala Harris, who have been uh, staunchly opposed to her, said she was the worst thing, you know, for the White House. She should never be elected. She shouldn't be vice president. Um, Had said that she personally went after them. Um, And so suddenly on Friday, they were making posts and videos in support of the Biden-Harris ticket and saying that there were only two options. Um, Jamal Trulove went from a Vice interview saying that she it was a conspiracy and that they had personally gone after him to suddenly saying, don't be sore losers, guys. you got to vote for Biden. What are your thoughts about this? Because it really upset me, and I just don't really understand it. If you— I will— Go ahead. So this is not new. If you look at, uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Sean, Sean King. Sean King, he has attacked uh, Biden in the past. He has attacked, attacked uh, Kamala in the past. And now he is saying, this is the ticket. This is the way to go. This is the only way to go. If you take a look at uh, the DNC 
over the course of the week. And I actually have the clip in the opening for this episode. You have uh, Michelle Obama saying, this is not the year to mess around with third party, uh, third party candidates who don't have a chance of winning um, or something along those lines. Throughout the entire DNC, they were begging you to vote and they were begging you not to vote third party. They said, this is not the time to do a, to do a uh, um, protest vote. They are really trying. I think that personally, I think they are terrified. They They are are terrified. They are terrified. The polling numbers have come back in and they see that their candidate is not doing as well as they. Nope. Not doing as well as it's being reported in the news. I know that he's like tied in Michigan right now. and He's up 10% overall or whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They are terrified. And all of these people, all of them have no backbone in principles, but they're also going out and saying that they uh, want you to be the same way. They don't care about your principles. They don't care about your yeah. backbone. You need to just suck it up and vote for their people. Even if, yeah. even if we've been victimized by Kamala Harris, even if we've been victimized by Joe Biden, you need to go out and you need to vote for these people. Jamal True Love was put on death row by Kamala Harris's prosecution, and she knew he didn't do it. If it were up to Kamala Harris, Jamal Trulove would still be on death row, and in some point or later in the future, he would be executed. I cannot tell you what Jamal's motivations are. I can tell you, well, I can ask you, Knowing that Kamala Harris would let you get executed if it helped her conviction record, even if she knew you didn't do it, do you want her to be the person who is second in line behind a man that is deteriorating in front of us and who also is the architect of every bad policy to come out of D.C. for the past 50 plus years, including the war on terror, the war on drugs, police brutality, the militarized police state, qualified immunity, civil asset forfeiture, no-knock raids, mandatory minimum sentencing, the so-called crime bills that locked up more uh, people of color and people, not all people, uh, but especially the people of color uh, than any other bill before it and led to the U.S. becoming number one, both per capita and in raw numbers of people in prison, the leader uh, in incarceration, mostly for victimless crimes, I would answer no. And you certainly don't want to vote for Donald Trump because he's been cheerleading that on the whole time. And it's been an absolutely brutal leader when it comes to using and abusing police forces uh, for the, or, or allowing police forces to abuse the people, to right. abuse you. Right, right. There's only one viable choice, and that's Joe Jorgensen and I. Uh, so I can't speak on behalf of Jamal. I can tell you this. Someone put me on death row knowing I didn't do it. And I was by some miracle able to get out. <laughs> You're not going to have me tell anyone that uh, that's the ticket. I can tell you that much. Right. Now, uh, a brief moment for personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, because we have multiple questions from the man, the myth, and the legend himself. From the man himself. From the man himself. And if you are in Florida, ChrisReynoldsLaw.com, and you will get excellent 
legal representation should you have been personally injured? In Florida. In Florida. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your AOC Millennial Minute. So there's a lot of disparity in certain areas. Um, one of them um, that has been highlighted recently is within the judicial system, especially juries, where um, depending upon lots of different factors, uh, we end up with juries that um, are excluding um, minorities. Um, and so you end up with a jury that's not really representative of the community. And ultimately, it ends up with higher conviction rates for minorities and, and lots of other pretty bad things. And so you know, I've been thinking more and more about that disparity, and especially after I um, saw Bayern Munich absolutely destroy Barcelona 8-2 to two in a record um, victory, um, I was wondering how you guys would handle fixing soccer. Thanks. I legit thought that was going to go to a real question this time. That was so what it's so <laughs> that was he started so good on that one and then he goes to Baron Munich. So does he want us to talk about disparities in, in race on injuries? He asked how to fix soccer. I mean. Well, I mean, I think ending the racial disparity in juries fixes soccer. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 does, that, does that even need to be said? Sure. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, then I said it. Right. Thank you. Yeah. No, you said it. Uh, okay. <laughs> So I'm actually terrified, but here's another one (laughs) from the man himself. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your spike segue. So I uh, saw that we've got a uh, upcoming tour that is going to go through Michigan and a couple other places and then kind of up the West Coast, um, California, San Diego, Los Angeles, all the way up through, I guess, maybe Portland and couple of the areas and I'm I would guess I'd love for you to talk about it but I guess you're focusing a lot on you know kind of younger people um, colleges especially the towns that you're hitting and I didn't know if you had any uh, specific agenda um, on any of that um, tour um, topics that you wanted to hit um, or if it was more just um, you know hitting colleges like you know you know UC or USC, which obviously are ranked consistently uh, the uh, hottest girls in colleges. So, thanks. Bye. How does this help? I, I, I saw where that one was going. 30 seconds in. So, I'm happily married. And I don't even see other women no wait no i don't even <laughs> i don't i like <laughs> that some was worded poorly yeah, that, that, i don't even <laughs> see i'm happily married that i'm going to go and speak to various humans persons different people human people persons. human people persons 
Herman people persons about the that things, their hopes and their dreams and their fears. And you better you better believe they're going to hear about how happily married I am too, because I am happily married to my wife, <laughs> whom I love. Thank you for that question. Thank you for that question, Chris Reynolds. Uh, next on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call in spectacular. I messed that up. Uh, anchor call in moment. I believe a first-time caller. Hey, Matt and Spike. My name's Eric. Uh, first off, I want to say it's really cool that I can just leave a message here for the vice presidential candidate, and he might possibly answer it and acknowledge it. That's really exciting. Uh, I wanted to leave a quick message because I really like your guys' podcast, but you guys are just steeping yourselves in all of this negativity that's going around. So want you to stay positive, want to give you some encouragement. I know, Spike, you're out there on the road living out of a suitcase, living on a tour bus, sleeping out of hotels. Uh, I know you got a restrictive diet, and you're probably having to adhere to that on the road, which sucks. Just want you to know uh, we see that, and thank you for everything you're doing. Um, Just want to give you some encouragement. And Matt, Don't think I forgot about you. You are doing tons of awesome work with this show, and I really enjoyed. I think he got cut off, but thank thank you. He apparently didn't know about the one-minute time limit. There's a one-minute time limit, yeah, 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 which is kind of stupid, but Eric, thank you. No, thank Thank you, Thank you for that encouragement. And And no, it isn't. If, if you What's ever that? want to call back, Eric, and uh, finish that comment, please do, because I want to know what you like that I do. <laughs> that you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Got, your part got cut off. Yeah, but, appreciate um, that, Eric. But no, and you are doing – Matt is doing fantastic stuff with Muddy Waters. He is, you know, has always been the backbone of it, and especially during this campaign, he has had to be the front bone, too. And the <laughs> – so – um, I, so I will say it, it certainly is more challenging Eric with, with doing my restrictive diet, um, on the road, but my team has been fantastic about making sure that I, I have, you know, that the foods that I can have. And, uh, I will say, you know, I mean, out of the bus, like, I mean, I, I get the VIP suite cause I'm, a, I'm the, the, uh, candidate. I mean, it's, it's certainly like, um, Hi, like today I didn't stop moving. I had to run to the hotel and shower and change. And then I had to go and be at a protest and I had to do an interview. And then I had to be at my own event. And I did a bunch of Q and a, and then I met with some activists and then I had to come back here for the show. I know that I had to get some of my food. Then I had to come back here for the show. And that's like, that's every day, but it's exciting. And it's seeing people get excited about this ticket and about our message and about setting America free and about setting the world free and about setting people free from their, their mental chains and, and, and waking them up to a message of how Liberty can solve the problems that they're facing. Um, I've never felt more alive in my life and it's, it's absolutely fantastic, but yeah, I mean, no, it, it can definitely be taxing and harrowing and, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm learning how to, how to, you know, sleep on a bus and then get out and, and go into my room and sleep in the hotel room the rest of the way. And I mean, it's a lot of fun, but I'm having a real blast, but thank you for that encouragement, man. That means no, a lot. Yeah, Please definitely. finish your message so that it might knows what you want to encourage him <laughs> on. So actually, uh, we have another one from Eric right now. So fingers oh, crossed. Maybe it was that. Oh, okay. Fingers crossed. 
Okay, so I think my question got cut off there at the end, but um, I'm a veteran, and I really want to learn more about your stance and the libertarian plan for kind of reducing our uh, military presence and our overall military footprint, not just in this nation, but around the world. I know that you're going to get a lot of resistance when it comes to reducing budgets and downsizing the military. What are your plans for encountering that resistance, overcoming it, and really getting those senior military leaders and those GS employees, those government service employees that are so integrated into the military-industrial complex, uh, this is their livelihood. How are you going to convince them to give it up and uh, to shrink the military? Also, if you got any ideas for a SecDef pick, I would love to hear them. Thanks. Bye. Oh, a Secretary of Defense pick? Yeah. I would defer to Joe on that uh, when it comes to that. Uh, so, because um, I, I don't want to say, oh, I'd like this person, and then there's, like, you know, this pressure on Joe whether to say yes or no to that, that she, I, I would defer to Joe on who she would pick for for uh, for the Pentagon. But, um, so, in terms of, uh, when we speak to veterans and active duty people of course people that are still active duty and reservists have to be a little bit more careful about sharing their political opinions and so forth publicly but when we speak to veterans especially but also active duty people and tell them about bringing all the troops home and and reducing the military budget not by cutting anyone's salaries or anything like that but by cutting where the real budget costs are which is the maintenance of this worldwide occupation and war effort and uh the creation of of more and more weapon systems that no one is actually asking for. Uh, and certainly no one on the ground is asking for. And uh, doing that, uh, you know, will solve most of the, I mean, it will cut the military budget quite a bit. Uh, take a, something like two thirds of the budget, uh, actually more than that. Uh, in terms of changing, I guess, for lack of a better word, the culture within many government employees, including in the military, the idea that uh, you know, over time will be kind of downsizing. I think a lot of this downsizing will happen through attrition. So as people are retiring, they're just not being replaced. Um, there will probably be some early retirement things and things like that. But also when we get rid of these burdensome regulations and taxes and mandates, there will be such an explosion in job creation here in every sector of the economy, including things like manufacturing, uh, things that have been dying slowly over time in this country, that there will be a labor shortage. There will be a shortage of people doing work, which means wages go up, not because of any any minimum wage increases or anything like that or any wage mandates, but simply because when there is a reduction in the supply of something and an increase in the, de the demand of it, the prices have to go up to be able to get those things that you want. So if there is a massive increase in the demand for American labor, and as a result of more and more people having gainful employment, a, a, a reduction in the supply of people that are available to work for your company, the companies are going to have to get competitive. They're going to have to get innovative with, with the kind of ways that they provide you, not just with direct compensation, but as we were talking about before, offers of, uh, you know, buying, being able to, to, to give you uh, a partial ownership of the company and, and give you the kind of benefits that you need and so forth. So, um, you know, anyone who is watching that will be able to conclude that they'll actually be able to get better jobs than what they're getting in, in, in government service jobs. So uh, with better wages. So that, that's how we deal with that.
Team yeah, guy on left. Team guy on left. <laughs> you you didn't make a team guy on right, did you? No. Oh. Um, and check out later this week when hashtag team guy on left shirts will be available at the Buddy Waters store. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, that was also an idea from personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Um, I may have to get a team guy on left shirt. <laughs> Uh, I actually have a meme of you holding up a sign that says, I am team guy on left. I love it. Um, our next question on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Spectacular anchor call. Spectacular. Is from Miles. Hello, Spike and Matt. I have two questions for your show. One serious, one not. The first okay. one's for Spike. Why isn't Medicare for All a good alternative to our current health care system? You and Joe often say you hear VA for All when you hear it. Why is that? What are the economic reasons it's a bad system? The second question is for both of you. Is soup a drink? Please debate if you disagree. Thanks for taking my message. With love, one of your constituents. Yeah, I have constituents. Constituents. Um, so, and, Miles, and these are these are these are great questions. Right. Great questions from Miles here. These are actually great questions. So, uh, Medicare for all. The reason we say it's VA for all or Medicaid for all is because if you look at what they're projecting the costs will be, if it were Medicare for all, it would cost a heck of a lot more than that. It's not Medicare for all. First of all, Medicare for all. First of all, Medicare is an eighty twenty program. They pay 80%. You pay 20%. And of course, most people that are on Medicare, they buy wraparound insurance to pay that 20% and any out-of-pocket costs they have, the so-called donut hole. What the so-called Medicare for all people are proposing is a 100-0 system. They're proposing single-payer health care. They polled it, and Medicare sounds good to people because people who are on Medicare largely like what they have because it's highly subsidized health care. So they called it Medicare for all, but it's more accurately VA for all, a, a nationalized single-payer system. And anyone on the VA will tell you what kind of program that would be. It's why they don't call it socialized health care. It's why they don't call it single-payer, because people could say, oh, you mean like the VA? And to keep in mind, the VA is not saving anyone any money. It actually costs less money to simply give veterans the money they need to go and buy their own private insurance to get way better health outcomes as a result of that than it costs to keep the VA going. So when we get rid of the VA and simply give the money directly to the veterans, put the money directly in their hands, not only does it allow them to have much better outcomes, but it saves taxpayers, including veterans who are also taxpayers, billions of dollars a year. This is not a good angle for me, by the way. No. Uh, but it's not. It's not. But I'm. I'm this is such a comfortable... You kind of have like a Charles Krautheimer look when you're at that angle. Oh God, no! Please, no. Um, the uh, you know this chair is so comfortable, I keep sliding in it. Plus, this is a slippery suit I'm in. Um, so, uh, so the, why is the, the why is Medicare of a quality suit? It's slippery. Is that it's slippery? It's a slippery silk suit. So. Why is Medicare for all a bad idea or why is whatever, whatever they want to, you know, Medicare for all are really single payer, a bad idea. 
Uh, when you get government involved in a program or, or a sector of the economy, we've seen what it's done to healthcare. It's destroyed healthcare. It has made healthcare unnecessarily expensive. And there was a recent study that showed that 75% of the cost of healthcare is just the cost of complying with red tape uh, and bureaucracy and uh, taxes and mandates uh, and all the other barriers and burdens that come from Medicare, Medicaid, and government-mandated insurance. Now, to be clear, that's not the cost of providing those services to patients. That's the cost or those benefits to to the people that are on those programs. That is the cost of the providers having to comply with all the red tape that those programs have. Now, when you go into a hospital or you go into a doctor's office, you see one doctor and two or maybe three nurses and like 15 administrators, especially in the hospitals. The reason for that is not because those hospitals want to have that many people, but because just to comply with all of the different burdens and barriers and mandates and regulations and taxes and everything else that are in place, they have to have all these people working to prove compliance. And that drives up the cost. That and all of the filing fees and everything else drive up the cost. What does that do? It makes healthcare more expensive. It also drives people out of being providers because they can't afford it. So they retire early. They get fired. They don't become doctors in the first place. They go and pursue some other industry because they look at the math and between the student loans and the cost of compliance, they're never going to make any money doing it. Uh, and so they either go out a bit, so they either never do it or they retire early or they get fired or they go and work for one of these mega corporations that provide health care because they can afford the cost of compliance. And then they get twice the patient workload and less money than they were making before. And they end up burning out and going out of business. I have friends that are my age that are doctors that are already considering retiring because the whole system is falling apart. And the idea of giving the organization, and that's before we even got into pharmaceutical patents and cost of uh, or uh, uh, certificate of need laws and all of the other garbage policies that are in place that make healthcare unaffordable, that make healthcare, uh, uh, the access to healthcare harder and harder to get that are contributing and causing the doctor shortage and the nurse shortage and the practitioner shortage. When we think that the organization whose Centers for Disease Control told doctors that they couldn't test and treat COVID patients for the first two months that the virus was here. And we don't know how many hundreds of thousands of lives will be lost as a result of that. The idea that that organization should be in charge of deciding whether or not you even get health care is a non-starter to me. And soup is a drink. Okay, so... I've had some time to think about this. Okay. Because I was barely listening. Yes. I was just waiting for soup. I would say it depends on the soup. Oh, that's true. Like if it's a chunky chicken noodle or a matzo soup, matzo ball soup, you're not drinking that. I love me some a matzo matzi soup. A matzo ball soup. A matzi soup. <laughs> You're not drinking that. Like if we're talking about like a tomato bisque with nothing in it, yeah, or just yeah, something yeah, that's, that's a broth. A drink. Yeah, that's, that's a, a drink. It's a drink. That's, that's a, a drink. drink. It's a warm drink. Right. Gaspacho? I mean, people even have it in it, people even have it in cups. Right. Gaspacho? Gaspacho is 
Yeah, that's a drink. Yeah. Because that's cold. Yeah. Anything that's got chunks, no. That's like gumbo. I don't care what people say. Gumbo's a soup. Gumbo is a soup. It's the same basic thing. Yeah. You're, you're, I, well, so I guess there's there's also the question of intent. So if you are if you look at your chunky chicken noodle soup and you go, I'm gonna suck this sucker <laughs> right down, and you're just like <laughs> like that. You drank it. And if you drank it, it is a I, I guess a drink. With, You're going to be in pain. With enough determination, I feel like you can drink anything. Anything. <laughs> anything. Right? Like you could get a but, rotisserie chicken and be like, like that, and refuse to chew. You're the one that's going to suffer as a result, but we're libertarians. We believe you can do what your body oh, what I'm you not, want. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just saying. It's going to hurt. Right. I'm just saying that I don't classify it as a drink, even if you decide that this is. This is what you want to do. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I will say I think soup in general, we, we could call it a drink if the intent is to drink it. If the intent is to drink it, yes. If the intent is to drink it. I it's all agree. about intent. I have no idea what this question is going to be, but it's from personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law gonna be it's gonna be off the wall so here's our next one from personal injury attorney chris reynolds attorney at law chris reynolds law.com dot com personal injury attorney chris reynolds here with your covid comment so um we've got schools starting back we've got um lots of parents you know kind of concerned all over the country some able to learn remotely, some not. Um, and most recently, we've had one of my favorite schools, uh, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, um, have a pretty serious outbreak of COVID um, all over the place there, um, to the extent that they have finally, I believe, decided to go all uh, virtual. Um, and it makes me wonder, you know, is, is this something that's going to you know, keep happening elsewhere to where everyone's going to be there. And we've got kind of a big day coming up, you know, Sunday. Um, so I kind of wanted to know your guys' thoughts. Um, who's going to win, uh, Bayern Munich or PSG? Thanks. Son of a bitch. I, um, I'm going to refuse to respond to that last bit. I, I don't, I'm not. Bayern Munich. Whatever. Bayern Munich's going to win. Anyway. The schools should be able to deter. I'm not acknowledging that nonsense. These schools should be able to determine, and more importantly, the parents. Now, with a, with a university, I think that the students should be allowed to determine during a freaking pandemic whether they want to learn online or offline. They're paying primo money to be able to go there. Uh, either in the form of being, you know, loans or grants or whatever else, they should be able to, de- to decide uh, if they are doing online or offline. And if the schools themselves err on the side of just doing all online for, for safety reasons, then I would understand that as well. But, the, you know, uh, I- I'm in Iowa right now. The bus just started and we're actually leaving Iowa. But the uh, I'm in Iowa right now where the governor is trying to mandate that parents send their kids back to school with no online learning options. 
during a pandemic. And whatever you think about the pandemic, whether you think it is the most dangerous thing we've ever faced and anyone who even ventures outside is murdering everyone around them, or whether you think it's a giant hoax and it's 5G towers and the, the, the whatever, whatever you think, and more, more than likely, hopefully, your opinion is somewhere in between those two extremes, you should be able to decide whether you or your kids are going to school. And that should not be imposed on you or going physically to school or doing it online during a pandemic. That should not be. And frankly, there's an argument to be made that you should be able to decide whether your kids are learning online or offline anyway. Anytime. Because they're yeah. your kids. So that's my answer to that. Whatever, whatever happened at the end there, I don't even know. But- Nor do I care. How dare you? Bayern Munich is going to win. Okay. I'm 64% sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, Since you just hit the road, uh, we got a couple of calls in today, but we can just hold those for our show next week. Um, If we do, are we doing a show next week? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So yeah, we can just hold those for our show next week, uh, but we do have one. Last question. Okay. Also from personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. I actually listened to this question and what I texted him afterwards. I won't say on the air because I was just so annoyed at that one. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds here with your consumer corner. One of the bigger issues I've had in my practice over the last few years has been uh, rideshare, specifically Uber and Lyft accidents, where a very large percentage of these drivers do not have any insurance or even remotely close to whatever the the mandatory minimum insurance, you know, especially for injuries. Um, and you know, consumers are getting in these cars thinking that they'll be fine and that they'll be taken care of if something happens, and that's just not the case. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're independent contractors, not employees, um, and states are now starting to do something about it, I guess. So California apparently are requiring um, Uber and Lyft to um, make their drivers employees instead of independent contractors. Um, and I just kind of wanted to know what you guys thought, especially in California. Are the Lakers in trouble? So the problem isn't that I'm not doing it. The problem is that isn't that they're not employees. The problem is, first of all, doesn't Uber don't Uber and Lyft require that their drivers have insurance? Uh, but, and, and so, yeah, you're so it's not that they require that you have it. It's that your insurance company requires that you have it. If you have, if you are Uber or Lyft, since you're an independent contractor, that's just kind of on you. To get the right insurance, I think. I think. I mean, I, I wouldn't want, for reliability reasons, if I had a ride-sharing company, I wouldn't want anyone working for me not to have demonstrated that they have In the proper insurance. I, I, yeah, I want that. I will have wanted them to have demonstrated that they have the, the insurance that they need for liability purposes. I right. That that's a far easier move than to essentially make ride-sharing go away. 
uh, by requiring that they be employees because that's not a model that allows for someone to be an employee. And we've already seen that where Uber and Lyft have said that they won't do business in California if the, if the bill passes. Uh, and uh, I mean, they were also saying that for like real estate agents. Well, real that doesn't work for real estate. You that can't have a minimum wage for minimum for, for for real estate agents. There's there's no way that these things will work. We need to be going the opposite way. Let employees and employers come up with new innovative ways to be able to work out compensation. It's going to be far more. Uh, uh, innovative and equitable, and it's going to lead to job growth. And job growth reduces the supply of labor and increases the demand for it, which makes the value of it go up. This is not rocket science. This is basic economics that no. You okay? Lights were flipping. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, what? What the just lights happened? Lights doing a strobe light thing. No, I don't know what that. That, but no one, no one, no economist disagrees with the idea that if you reduce the supply and increase the demand, then the value and the price goes up. Let's do that with labor. And I don't, couldn't even tell you what the record is of the lake, the labor of the Lakers. I don't know. Uh, they're tied one-one with whoever they're playing in the playoffs. Okay. When he asked the question, they were down one zero, um, and now and now it's one one. And we, we did get one more call in uh, that just came in that I'm going to play because I have control of everything on this side uh, because I feel it's important that we all hear whatever this is about. Hey, Matt, this is Eric calling back again on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, call in spectacular uh, to finish my statement. Matt, we all know that you're the brains behind the operation. Oh, you're the one that does all the hard work and editing and you do a great job of it. Um, and you're probably the one that edits the hilarious Joe Biden clips together, which I really appreciate. I, yes, I am. Yeah, uh, thank yes. you. So yes, you. thank you for that. And then I have another question <laughs> for you. Since neurons that fire together, wire together, and we want to keep this positivity going, what's one thing in the past week that you are really grateful for or something that just went exceptionally well for you? Uh, looking forward to hearing your answers, and thanks for answering me earlier. I like when Eric calls. Well, it. I don't know because I can't answer the question because I'm not the brains of the operation. <laughs> I like when Eric calls in. He he is a shining ray of positivity. He's all right. He, he said that he is thinking of you while you were on this bus. No, trip. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I love Eric. Eric, thank you so much. You're a great guy. And uh, thank you for giving Matt what, what he needed in this moment. I did. I really did. Because he's, he's not on a bus right now, and I am. Right. Um, so I'll let you go first with something you're grateful for this week. I really like that. that oh, man, yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um all honesty, everything that's been going on with muddied waters over the last month, uh, yeah. we have been blowing up exponentially. Um, For some reason. Right. 
because I'm the brains of the operation. I made all yeah, that's this happen. definitely it's because the brains <laughs> kicked in. Right. Um, it's, I finally figured out how to do it after four years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've been we've been blowing up, and um, a, a huge part of that is because of the listeners and because of the viewers yes. and everybody who's a member of the Muddied Waters group on Facebook. Anybody who likes the Facebook page follows us on Twitter on YouTube. Um, big. Most of this is because of you, but seeing it actually come together, um, seeing it all come together and seeing everything grow and expand and just really become what I always knew this was going to be has been amazing. Um, Every time that I get the notification that people are buying shirts, anytime that I get uh, new member requests into the group, anytime that um, we get a hundred more people listening to an episode or a thousand more yeah, people yeah. watching. It's truly, it is humbling and amazing to watch. And that's probably, that, Absolutely. that is probably the best thing, um, outside of my beautiful and wonderful girlfriend who's super fan, Sarah Andrick. And uh, my wife, my, li- my, my <laughs> lovely wife, uh, but not, not, not a fan of the show, but a big part of that is thanks to all of you out there who are listening and yes. watching and sharing and making sure you go to YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Yes. By the way, if you haven't yet, go to our YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Uh, YouTube.com slash Waters Media. Um, so, uh, so thank you. And uh, what is, man, I have so many things I could be grateful for. This, so many really awesome people that I've spoken with this week, even just today. Like, this tour has just been one series of, amazing things one after the next um you know what the one that stands out for me and i'm going to try to say this without crying um on tuesday the reason we didn't have an episode of muddy waters uh of freedom is because i had to put my dog axel down and he has been like a best friend to me for 12 years and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this without crying. He is, he was a constant companion to me. And it was absolutely heartbreaking to have to put him down. But it was absolutely necessary. If anything, I waited too long. Um, he had lymphoma and it had, it would, we did everything we could, but he just, it was time. And, um, and so I had to do it. And uh, I posted on my page and, and uh, you know, saying that I had had to put my dog down and that he had been an incredible companion and that we, my wife and I would always love him and miss him. And something like nearly half a million people saw that post. And, and so many people uh, gave, you know, such heartwarming remarks, and shared stories about their pets that they had lost, their loved ones that they had lost. And at my stop in, uh, in Flint, Michigan, uh, one of the CNN boys that was there uh, during my Q&A session came up and gave me a condolence card that was signed to me and my wife. And everyone there, all of the CNN crew there, all of the, the boot crew there, uh, had signed it and written really nice, heartwarming messages and uh and they thanked me for coming out even after what happened 
And that was the most heartwarming thing. Um, it was breathtaking and heartwarming that they did that. And I am so grateful for the people that I've gotten to meet during this and just the, the, the I, I don't have words for how amazing everyone has been. And, uh, I could go on all day about it, but I, I, I won't. I am just very, I love everyone that I've gotten to meet and I'm so grateful that they have come out and, uh, I hope to see you on, uh, if, if you're, if you're, uh, coming out on, if you live anywhere near any of where I'm uh, touring, I invite you to go to my page to the Spike Cohen Facebook page. We have all my events there. If you go to events and if I'm, uh, you know, going to be nearby you, I would love to meet you. I would love to hear your story. Uh, I always do Q and a, I try to do at least like a half hour to an hour of Q and a at every single event. And, uh, and if I don't get to you in the actual official Q and a, I invite you to come up and talk to me and do a selfie with me and ask me your question. Cause I would love to answer it one-on-one with you. And, um, I'm just incredibly grateful for everything that's happened. I'm incredibly grateful for our campaign team, everyone that's on this bus. I have, uh, one of my dearest friends, LaQuinn is my body man. Um, I have, uh, Adam who has done a great job with planning, uh, and, uh, Anthony Welty is my advanced planner on this bus. One of the rock stars in the party. And Anthony's uh, on Matt. the bus with you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Anthony Welty is my, is my advanced planner. No, oh, that's awesome. I like Anthony. He's one of the freaking rock stars a good of, the, of the, of the movement is on the, is on the bus with me. Um, and, um, and also my, uh, and I have Matt Crum is doing the videography work and he's fantastic. Just so many. And, and there's, I could go all day long. Desiree Lindsay, Matt Hicks, um, man, Seth Levy, all, all the people that are involved in this team, uh, Caitlin Cloven, uh, Amos Joseph, a, a, everyone that's come out and been a part of this. And I, Ryan Raymond, like I, I can do this all day long and I, and I, I, I know I'm leaving people off. And so I have to stop because there's just so many people that have been involved with this. I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, I am living in active gratitude just because of how fantastic this has been. And uh, this campaign and muddied waters and just, you know, it's like Matt said, so many things are coming together that we've been working on for so long. And you, who've been listening and who've been watching and who've been coming out to these events and showing your love and asking questions and following us and subscribing to our YouTube channel and pressing the bell, and all of you that have been involved, uh, I love all of you, and I know Matt does too, and I'm incredibly grateful to you. And thank you again for tuning in. Uh, so that is the final question or comment. That was a question. He finished that with a question. Uh, of the personal yeah. injury attorney, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, spectacular anchor call-in moment. Thank you all so much for doing all of my work for me this week. I needed it. Um, if you guys want... <laughs> If you guys need another, if you guys ever want another one of these things, yeah. another Chris Reynolds spectacular, go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and you can leave us a message there. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. Can be and even when we're not doing these spectaculars, you can do this. Every episode we do as we many do. of these as we can. So be sure to leave messages. We are happy to answer them. Uh, and uh, this is what we live for, guys. So thank you. Thank you. And uh, Matt, if someone were to try to find us on the internet, is that even possible? It is possible. So how is it? It is, in fact, possible. All you would need to do is go to your favorite social media site, look up Muddied Waters Media, hit the follow button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. 
or go to muddiedwatersmedia.com where you can find this and every episode of Muddied Waters Media. Every episode on one website. On one website. Muddiedwatersmedia.com, you say? Muddiedwatersmedia.com. Well, great day in the morning. I'm going to go there as soon as I get off this episode. Well, folks, that settles it. The way things, the things we need to do is go and follow everything Muddy Waters on all social media and go to muddywatersmedia.com and buy a Team Guy on Left shirt. Buy so a folks, Team Guy on Left shirt. Hashtag Team Guy on Left. Hashtag Team Guy on Left. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. And we love you, and we will see you on this coming Tuesday, uh, 8, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Oh, no, 8 p.m. Eastern. I don't even – 7, I think 7 p.m. Central, so was, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific. Pacific. I don't know which of those times. I believe I'm going to be mountain at that point. I don't even know. I don't even know. And where we're going – We don't need roads. <laughs>